Stay tuned now for a special public affairs program with pediatrician Dr. Casey Johnston on kids and the pandemic. All right. Thank you for that that song. Um, yeah, my name is Casey Johnston. I'm a local pediatrician, and I'm here with Ben Anderson, who's the director of behavioral health at the MCHC um, Community Health Clinics. And uh, yeah, Ben, I, if you could introduce yourself quickly, and then I can kind of go over the, the program structure for today. Sure, absolutely. So um, like Dr. Johnson mentioned, I'm uh, Ben Anderson. I'm a licensed clinical social worker and the director of behavioral health for Mendocino Community Health Centers. I'm also a commissioner for First Five Mendocino. Great, thanks. Um, yeah, so today, uh, well, first of all, thank you, Ben, for being here. You are an incredibly busy person and you do so much for our community and kids and family families here. Um, and then thank you for KZYX for creating this special hour for us to talk about kids and, and how they're doing through the through the pandemic. It's such an important topic. Um, so it's, uh, it's good to have an hour and hopefully we'll have more time on the radio about these discussions. Um, so today we're going to talk about, yeah, how kids are doing during, during this whole thing and how their families are doing and, and, um, I want to begin by inviting anyone uh, with comments, questions, um, you know, and uh, we want to hear all your voices. Uh, so we're going to have call-ins throughout the show. We're going to open it up early. So the number, uh, KZYX, is 707-895-2448. So that's 895-2448. And again, we'd love to hear from kids, teens, their parents, teachers, anyone in the community um, uh, with input about how kids are doing doing right now. So I guess I'll start with um, just kind of a general overview of what I've been seeing as a pediatrician, so in, in the clinic. The last year has been quite a challenge for us all. Um, and especially, especially for children. Unfortunately, we're seeing um, really high rates and increasing rates of anxiety and depression, kids feeling hopeless, um, isolated, um, some kids feeling without a purpose, without structure. And we're seeing a, a big increase in, in mental health crises. So families coming in, um, not knowing what to do, um, uh, you know, with severe anxiety, depression. So we've, you know, we, uh, it's been, I feel very fortunate to work with Ben <laughs> in the clinic. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Cause he, um, provides a lot of the next steps when we identify these, these kids in need. So, um, if you could kind of over go over, uh, what you've been seeing on your, from your standpoint, that'd be great. Yeah. So thank you. Um, so I think, you know, as, as you mentioned, we are seeing a lot uh, higher levels of anxiety and depression in kids. And oftentimes, you know, when we hear the word depression, we think sadness. But in reality, depression is uh, 
I mean, sadness can be a part of it, but it's also just a lack of motivation or energy for things. The clinical term is anhedonia, where you just have little interest or pleasure in doing things. Everything is just kind of meh, and you don't, don't have much motivation. But in children and in teens, this can often show up as irritability. And one of the things that we see is kind of a, a, a snowball effect where you know, they, they, they don't have the structure that they normally have, um, oftentimes, like with a bedtime and a time to get up and go to school. So then their sleep cycle gets off. And I don't know about, about the rest of you, but if I don't get enough sleep, I get grumpy. And, and it just kind of snowballs from there. So then um, I also think just the challenges of doing school from home um, were not, you know, designed to sit in front of a screen all day. And, you know, uh, Zoom fatigue is a real thing. There's studies that show that when we're having meetings and talking to people on a screen, we don't blink as often as, as we normally do. And there's, there's other, you know, things that weigh in. Um, and we'll probably get to the screen time thing a little bit more. I'm kind of going off on a tangent here. But, but to sit in front of a screen all day to do school, and then because of the pandemic and a lot of other things that kids would normally be able to do outside, you know, for a long time, we had playgrounds closed and parks closed and movie theaters closed. Uh, you know, kids are getting more screen time than ever recreationally at home playing videos. And that further compounds the sleep problems, et cetera, and it can kind of snowball from there. With, with teens, um, we're seeing a lot of teens really just kind of struggling, in particular those who had their senior year last year and, and those that are seniors this year. There's a lot of things that help keep teens going, like sports and dances and other things, but there's big milestones that happen, especially your senior year, like senior prom, graduation, um, celebrating getting into college, going off and starting college. There's just so many things that are kind of coming of age milestones that, that they did not get to experience last year and may not get to experience this year. The other thing is teens are kind of hardwired at that age developmentally. What's appropriate is to be kind of individuating from your family of origin and kind of figuring out who you are. And at, it's an age you know, where your peer group and your friends are just as important as your family and, and even just driving around aimlessly doing nothing with friends is actually pretty important for teens. And so the, the restrictions have either, I've seen kind of two things. One, they're either just ignoring the, the, the health restrictions and going and doing what they're doing. Um, but the other would be for those that are kind of following it, it's really taking a toll on their mental health. And we are seeing higher levels of depression and anxiety. Um, I don't know if you want to add to that. Yeah, I mean, I'm glad I'm, you touched on so many uh, really excellent points. Um, kind of when you were, what you were talking about in the beginning, you know, how depression and anxiety manifests itself um, is really important because, I mean, that that is true. Like in the pediatric clinic setting, um, we'll have, you know, parents bringing their kids and even, you know, young kids, like, oh, they're, they can't, they're having trouble sleeping or, they're having lots of tantrums or, you know, anytime we, we want to do something like go on a walk as a family, they have, you know, a huge fit, a tantrum, they're really irritable. Um, so I think that is really important to uh, acknowledge that, that kids um, at all ages have different um, kind of symptoms of depression and anxiety than what adults often think of. So I, um, I think that's really important. 
Yeah, and I think it's hard for us as adults to remember what it was like to be a kid because we have adult brains, you know, that are fully developed and adult coping skills. And, you know, they don't. And, you know, so for adolescents, a lot of the decision making, what's important in decision making at that age is how do I feel about it right now? You know, rather than seeing the longer term, those of us with more lived experience will be able to say, okay, there's been hard times before, but it will get better, you know, but, but they haven't had that experience. So I think it's just a lot harder for kids and teens to, to deal with this. Yeah, and I, and I think there's less opportunities right now, and hopefully this show will provide provide an opportunity, but there's less opportunities to even get uh, to get adults to understand what's going on for kids. Like, you know, pa- parents are really stressed. <laughs> right. uh, some some parents are, are working overtime or others are, you know, there's other stressors in, in their lives that are happening, so they may not have the time or the mental space to to, to be there fully. And then without the schools, I mean, the schools historically have been um, a huge resource for children and, you know, kind of other adults that they can confide in and, and get support from. And, and also the schools, you know, ca- they are helpful in catching a lot of, um, or identifying, I should say, identifying depression and anxiety um, in children and, or if something's going on at home that's you know, even abuse or that, that sort of thing, but the schools are so important in in that role as well. Um, And so a lot of those kind of outlets and a lot of those ears that usually listen to kids aren't, aren't here or haven't been around for the last year as much. Right. Absolutely. Um, Yeah. So um, you kind of touched on another point too, and how the disruption and normal, uh, like structure of the day, normal schooling, normal milestones for kids, um, how all that can affect different ages differently, um, mm-hmm. kind of depending on, you know, the developmental stage a, a child's in. So kind of the, the developmental stage a five or six-year-old is in is different than a teenager. You, you know, you, you were talking about how teenagers are, um, they, they develop bond, bonds with their friends almost any sometimes stronger than the bonds they have with their families and you know they're finding themselves they're experimenting finding their individual identity um and then in the younger and the younger ages it's it's a little it's a little different can you kind of see what or kind of talk about what um you've seen like in terms of the younger kids how how the pandemic has affected them specifically uh, yeah, so uh, the, the nature of the type of therapy that we do, you know, in the clinic system where, where I'm employed is, is um, a little bit different. It's not as geared much for younger kids. So when I'm working with younger children, I'm often working with the parents. And so what I'm seeing is, you know, developmentally, they're looking for safety, emotional safety and consistency to know that when I have a need, that need is going to be met. And I'm seeing mainly in the younger kids a lot of anxiety. And kids are very perceptive. So if you think about like a three or four or five-year-old, especially one that's not, you know, able to go to school or preschool or daycare, their world is the house they live in, you know. And and the people in their world are their immediate family with the exception of, you know, when grandma visits or whatever. And so if if mom or dad are really anxious and stressed out and not doing well, they're going to pick up on that. They may not know the details or know why, but they just sense that something's up. And so that, that just consistent um, emotional safety of, of mom and dad being okay, you know, or mom or dad or grandma or whoever is raising them, 
being okay um, isn't isn't there in the same way that it used to be. So we're seeing with kids more anxiety, with younger kids more anxiety, um, and for younger kids, besides the irritability, that can often show up as sleep trouble, more nightmares. Um, sometimes it's uh, somatic complaints like headaches or tummy aches. They may um, be more picky about things. They may re regress a little bit. So maybe they were fine, you know, uh, going to the bathroom on their own and now they need help or they have more accidents. Maybe they were okay going to bed on their own, but now they're more afraid of the dark and needing more reassurance. So that's kind of what we're seeing with the younger kids. Um, and, you know, my heart goes out to, to teachers trying to teach um, you know, over over Zoom or over the internet, because it's uh, you know it's it's actually from what I hear, it's a lot more work than actually just having the kids in class. You know, trying to trying to track it all and prep it all and then wrangle all these kids. You know, who are much who are e much more easily distracted by what's around them in their home environment than they might be sitting in a classroom. Um, so it's I think it's just a challenge all the way around. Um, so I don't know if that answers your question or if you had a specific question about that. Yeah, yeah, no, that um, that was great. And we've kind of touched on these two topics a little bit already, but I think it'd be good to <laughs> dedicate some time to talking about um, uh, screen addiction and in kids and the effects um, on their brains, their sleep. Um, and then kind of tied to that is sleep, which we've already, we talked about a little bit already, but uh, so, so screens, it's, um, <laughs> you know, we, we, we talk so much in the pediatric clinic, uh, you know, keep, keep screen time down, um, you know, less than an hour in, in younger kids and then less than two hours a day in you know, older kids and teens. And then with, with, uh, with school being online, with the access to screens, with less parental supervision, you know, oftentimes parents aren't around all day when the, when the teen's doing their schoolwork. Um, the, all the social media, you know, lack of face-to-face -face interactions with their friends, and so there's more allowance on doing, uh, so, you know, social media. Um, this has all led to just, I, I'm going to call it screen addiction, um, you know, similar to an addiction to a substance. Um, you see similar similar signs. So irritability, they, they crave the screen. It, when it's taken away, they get really upset. It disrupts uh, normal activities of life like sleep and relationships and eating and exercise habits. And um, so it's... Uh, it's been it's been sad to watch that unfold here, <laughs> and I think I think we can't cannot underestimate the long term effects this is going to have. Yeah, I I agree. And if you're just joining us, uh, KZYX and Z, I'm Ben Anderson. I'm a licensed clinical social worker, and I'm here with Dr. Casey Johnson, and we're talking about uh, she's a local pediatrician, and we're talking about the effects of um, the pandemic on kids and teens, and then we're going to be taking calls shortly at 707-895-2448. Once again, that's 895-2448. And we're gonna be getting into kind of what we can do as adults to help support kids and teens. So the screen addiction, as you mentioned, uh, Dr. Johnson, is definitely uh, part of the snowball effect too, because the more time you spend on, a, on the screens, you know, there, there's wavelengths of blue light that are decreasing our own natural melatonin production, as you know, which then leads to more sleep problems or poor quality sleep. 
Um, I often, this is probably one of the number one challenges that parents bring to me around teenagers is getting them off the screens. And so I will often use the example from an adult world because ultimately what we want to do is prepare kids for adulthood, right? And, you know, if, if they, um, if you have a job, you have to go to your job, you have to do your job, and then you get your paycheck. You're, you know, your boss isn't going to call it, send you the paycheck first and then call you and nag you and try and convince you that you really need to come to work and why aren't you at work yet and you need to be at work. If, if that happened, you'd be fired. And so for, for kids and teens, their job is their schoolwork and their chores and, and whatever around the house. And you can have you know, some screen time at, as, as their paycheck. But there's often a big battle about taking it away, taking it away. And so I think it's easier if you, don't, if you just don't have it in the first place. Basically, they have a chore list or a responsibility list. And then when they've done that, you as the parent can check to make sure it was done. And then they get their paycheck. Then they get, a, you, know, uh, you know, my recommendation is no screen time on school days and, and, and no more than two hours on weekends or holidays and not two hours straight through, you know, breaks in there and never first thing in the morning because there's something that happens when kids get on video games or, you know, first thing in the morning that it just really seems to spike the irritability. I haven't seen any research on that. It's just something I've observed in my practice. So, you know, helping them, if they're not able to set those limits, they don't have the internal structure yet to set those limits for themselves, then, you know, setting them externally, having the parent a responsible person put that limit on them um, to help them learn. And that helps prepare them not only, you know, for school, but for, for life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And Alicia can, uh, maybe we could open it up for, for Collins. Absolutely. Right. Yep. The number here in the studio is 895-2448. Uh, 895-2448. We've got the phone lines open and uh, ben, one of the things you mentioned was about teenagers missing out on these kind of rites of passage. We definitely have lots of teenage friends who missed their senior year last year and are, and are now in their senior year now missing all of those milestones. And I wonder, I think a lot about them and how that's going to impact their lives, you know, their their future when they look back on, on this loss. And I wonder if there's something we could do to, um, you know, to give them that after this is all over or to try to heal or repair? What do you think the impact is going to be on them for these kind of missing out on these kind of milestones? You know, one of the, one of the fortunate things for, for kids and teens is they're very resilient. So for right now, it's really, really hard. And as an adult, it might not seem like that big a deal. Okay, you didn't get to go to the prom, get over it, you know. But the reality is it is a big deal and it's going to hurt for a while, but eventually they'll get to have other new positive experiences and those those memories will be there as well. So we've seen some really creative things, drive-by graduation parties and birthday parties and, you know, people trying to do the best they can to support them. But the main thing would be, what I would suggest is if there's a, you know, some, a teen or, or a child that is expressing that they're missing out on something, you know, don't minimize that. It, it, it might not seem like much to us as adults, but to them, it really is huge. And, you know, it's loss. Um, if, you, if you think about, like, at the end, you know, high school yearbook, what's the yearbook going to be? You know, selfies and pajamas. So just having those social connections or football games or band or there's just so many parts of the high school experience that aren't academics that kids are missing out on right now. Um, but I think some of the and some of our most memorable things about high school or even middle school 
isn't what happened in the classroom. It's hanging out with your friends in the quad or it's a, it's a basketball game that you went to. So just recognizing that if they're saying they're sad about it or they seem really upset about it, even if it doesn't make sense to you, that's okay. It's important to them and just listening. And I think also, uh, you know, having, creating kind of your own milestones too can be um, helpful. Like I've met some families that, uh, you know, they, they developed a goal with their kid, like, you know, we're going to do a hike every weekend so we can do this big hike, you know, or um, we're gonna, you're going to learn a new instrument or, um, you know, they, they, a lot of kids have been getting more into art and, uh, the space, space center um, for kids has been offering more and more classes. So I think the more activities like that that have goals and kind of finishing marks and um, all that can be helpful as well. Yeah, I agree. You know, one of the best things for fighting depression is to have something fun or positive to look forward to. And, and so that's huge. So I understand we have a caller. Hello, caller. You're live on the air. Hi, thank you for doing this show. My name is Talia, and um, I'm calling because I'm concerned about the well-being of my um, three-year-old daughter. Um, my ex has been keeping her away from me for the last six months since I left his abusive relationship, and I'm just wondering if um, you could tell me how that would, you know, affect her emotionally and psychologically. Um, before I um, left the abuse, I was the primary caregiver, and obviously she's so young. I was wondering if um, anybody could help me, if you could give me some, you know, advice on how to um, deal with um, possible emotional wounding when I am able to see her and maybe if um, I could get in contact with a social worker. Yeah, so there's, that's, a, that's a lot to unpack there. There's a lot, it sounds like there's a lot going on in your life and in your child's life. And without getting too much into the details, it is very important for kids to have, you know, consistent attachment. And so um, even if it's not the same person, if it's somebody that she knows and her needs are all being met, um, that would be helpful. As far as you know, your particular situation, my recommendation would be to talk to somebody um, at, at Child Protective Services um, or Mendocino County Department of Social Services because they could probably help you with some resources. Um, or if you wanted to talk, um, when you mentioned a social worker, did you mean like somebody at social services or, or were you talking about like a, a therapist? Um, yeah, I think a therapist would, good, would be good for her. I just, um, I'm just looking for, you know, some, some help, um, you know, to get visitation with my daughter reinstated because, um, you know, obviously it's, it's highly irregular for, you know, the child to be kept away from the mother and actually given into the custody of the abuser. Um, you know, I filed a restraining order and I was not successful in getting the judge to continue it. Um, I think she's biased against me for some reason, but anyway, thank you for your advice. Um, 
my concern is that her needs are not being met because um, my ex was, you know, extremely yeah. abusive towards me. So and, what I would um, suggest is, is I, you know, if the, if the child is in the, the CPS system, if there's a court involved and there's a custody order involved, you, know, you as the mom, even if you're not, even if she's not with you, could ask the social worker um, to, to make sure that the child gets into therapy. And, and they would likely do okay. that. So the number for Mendocino County's um, Department of Social Services is 463-7700. And I would um, give them a call and ask to speak with the officer of the day. It's not a police officer. That's just the, the terminology they use for the social worker who's going to handle calls coming in and, and um, let them know what's going on and that you would like your daughter to be in, in therapy. And I'm sure they could, they could follow up to, to see that that happens. All right. Thank you so much for your help. I really appreciate you doing this for this child, um, for the children. Thank You're you. Bye. Thank you for calling. Okay. Any other callers waiting? Okay. So, um, again, phone lines are open. Um, 707-895-2448. And I am Ben Anderson. I'm a licensed clinical social worker and the director of behavioral health for Mendocino Community Health Centers. And I'm here with Dr. Casey Johnson, who is a pediatrician um, in our pediatrics department here. And we're talking about how to support kids during um, the, and teens during the pandemic. So this might be an opportune time to give out some phone numbers just for additional supports. Um, if, if you are struggling, um, it's okay to not be okay. Um, things are tough right now. And some level of anxiety and depression um, is normal, given that we are in a global pandemic and there's all kinds of other things going on in the world. Being a teen um, is hard anyways. Under ideal circumstances, there's just a lot to deal with. So I want to give out some numbers. Um, and for Mendocino County, um, the first one I want to give out is the crisis line. So if you are having thoughts of hurting yourself or hurting others or having thoughts that you'd be better off dead, um, that's what we would consider a mental health crisis. You know? And if you are, have a plan, if you're thinking about how to do that, you should reach out for help immediately. Um, and you can do that by going to the nearest emergency room or calling the crisis line, which is 855 838-0404. If it's not that bad and you're just needing some support, you're just needing somebody to talk to and, and, and somebody to listen and give you a little support, uh, Mendocino County also has a warm line and that number is area code 707-472-3211. If the depression, the anxiety, the worry, whatever you're going with, if it's making it hard to function, if you're noticing your grades are tanking or your child's grades are tanking, or um, they just seem like they're, they're not themselves, counseling might be appropriate. And there's lots of different resources for counseling. Um, typically, the easiest way to do it would be to start with you know, your insurance, because you don't want to call and set up an appointment only to find out you're going to get some ridiculously high bill. So um, if you live in Mendocino County and you have Mendocino County Medi-Cal. Um, there are lots of different agencies that work with kids and families and adults because parents need support too. Um, there's Tapestry Family Services. There's the Mendocino County Youth Project. There's Redwood Community Services. Um, 
hospitality house. There's just a, a, a number of them. And they all kind of fall under the umbrella for management of Redwood Quality Management Company. And so if you have Medi-Cal and you'd like to get into therapy and it's affecting kind of how, how you're functioning, how you're doing, that number would be 707-472-0350. Um, we also have therapy at Mendocino Community Health Clinics, um, which is in inland Mendocino County uh, in Ukiah and in Willits. And um, the number to call if you're interested in getting counseling and you, you get your health care with us, that number is 468-1010. Um, and I don't have the number in front of me. I'll look it up quickly here. But if you live on the coast, then Mendocino Coast Clinics also has counseling available. And, um, and the, the Long Valley Community Clinics too, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. So uh, for Mendocino Coast Clinics, their number is 707-964-1251. And in Laytonville, the Long Valley Health Center on Branscombe Road also has uh, behavioral health services and counseling. Their number is 707-984-6131. So those are lots of um, lots of options for you. Um, and if anyone needs any of those numbers repeated, I'm happy to do that later on. And, and I also want to emphasize too uh, that you can go to your primary care, care provider. We get many kids, you know, at the pediatric clinic that really the end goal is to get is to get counseling for their child for the for the child or the teenager um but a lot of times there's some resistance <laughs> mm -hmm. um and 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 as a pediatrician too or a pediatric care provider we can kind of see what would be more most appropriate for the child um so it's it's always great too to start out with your primary care provider um, I would I would say some teenagers still have uh, or they some teenagers have and adults have kind of a stigma. <laughs> no no offense Ben. Yeah no. <laughs> but uh, but uh, seeing a counselor or you know it, for some has a certain sound to it and they they are they get resistant resistant to that. So there there are times where I I see kids you know regularly and then and then finally they they're open to see a more specialized counselor. So. Yeah. Yeah, always, always good and okay to start with your primary care provider. Absolutely. And our mental health doesn't exist separately from our physical health. So it's always good, you know, if I'm seeing somebody, let's say they're starting with me, but they haven't seen a doctor in a while, I'll recommend it because, you know, it could be a thyroid imbalance. It could be a reaction to a medication they're taking. So we want to make sure we rule out medical causes for the symptoms as well. But also, especially with kids, lots of times we don't know that it's depression or anxiety. Very few people, even adults, present into care saying, I'm here for depression. You know, it's usually, I just don't have much energy. I'm grumpy. I'm not sleeping well, you know, or I'm having headaches. So um, starting with your primary care provider is always um, a, a great option. And then another huge resource is, um, is are the schools. So even during distance learning, you know, schools are very much open uh, and including the counseling services. So the Mendocino community, or sorry, Mendocino County Office of Education, the number I found for the counseling services uh, department, I guess, um, is 707-467-5001. Um, and then, so that's for the whole county and then each school district and each, even each school has a separate number that is easily searchable online. 
Um, for instance, if you look up Ukiah Unified School District social emotional support, if you just Google that, it will bring up a list of each counselor at, e at every school. And, and they've, they've gone above and beyond um, with, with what they're able to do during all this, uh, you know, even, even house, house visits and um, providing extra support for families. And there are also, you know, I did I did mention all those resources for Medi-Cal, and if you're if you're going to the health centers, many of them take private insurance as well. But there's also a network of therapists just in communities that either uh, they, they contract with your different insurance companies. So if you have Blue Cross or Blue Shield or Optum or whatever you have on the back of uh, of your card or on their website, um, they it should have an 800 number on their website, a list of providers that they contract with that take that insurance. So that's another option. Um, and for parents too, many employers have an EAP and an EAP and a, an employee assistance plan will often include a certain number of sessions with a therapist free of charge. And they're usually anonymous to where nobody knows who's using the service. You just get a code number and enter it. So nobody at your job even knows that you're using it. They just know that an employee was accessing the services. And, you know, there is stigma for, for, for seeing a counselor. There's a very old school idea of, well, I don't, I don't need a therapist. I'm not crazy, right? Um, so, so therapists are also for people who are not crazy um, and are just depressed or anxious or having, having a difficult time. I wonder, yeah, we're too, going, yeah, going through transition. A, yeah, right. I, I wonder, too, this is a time when all of us are in a situation we've never been in before. So if you've never even thought about needing mental health support or going to a counselor, this might be a time when some of these things are just too much for you to be able to manage on your own. And I wonder if you could speak to some of the the, the drags or the obstacles that might keep people from realizing that's something that, that they could actually make use of like uh sometimes you just get to a point where you're where you realize i just i just need help but you wouldn't maybe think well why would calling the warm line help you know why what would that even do you know it's so but but the fact is is that these are really powerful resources for people who need help so could you talk about what to expect and and how that might actually help you for people who've never tried to engage in mental health support like yeah. that I think, you know, lots of times if we're suffering alone, it's, it's, we suffer alone unnecessarily. And if we don't understand what's happening to us, if we don't understand the symptoms or the way we're, we're feeling, we think there's something wrong with us. We're just somehow broken or defective. Um, and, you know, my guess would be that what you're, you know, people are experiencing is a very, very normal, healthy, predictable reaction to these really, really abnormal circumstances. And one of the things that tends to help people is just getting support, being able to tell their story and have somebody listen and knowing that you're not alone, you're not broken or defective. This is just what happens to humans when we go through these difficult times. And um, sometimes that can be helpful. The other thing is sometimes we can teach you some, some tricks, some, some things that help you cope, that, that make it not so bad, that, that, you know, um, as humans, we often feel like we have to think one way about something. So, for example, well, I've got a roof over my head and I've got food, so I should be happy, you know, or I've got, uh, you know, at least I can still go to work. I'm not laid off, so I should feel a certain way. Well, there is no should with feelings. We feel what we feel, what we feel, period. And it, there is no right, wrong, good or bad, holy or evil. They just exist. We just feel. And um, 
if we can accept that, that we very rarely feel one way about anything, it's often, I'm really grateful to have this roof over my head and that I can still go to work. And it really sucks that I can't go visit my, my loved one or my family or get together for Christmas or, and both of those things can be true. And so sometimes having somebody to talk about that with um, and learn some coping skills can be helpful. And I understand we have a caller. Hello, caller. You're live on the air. Yes. Hi. I'm a mother of uh, many children, six children and 12 grandkids. And we're not able to visit at this time because of the COVID thing. And it's really difficult because I've always been close to the children. And they're now going to L.A. where I don't know what the supervision is. And we've got a 17-year-old child, an older daughter, who's taking care of them while the father's working and the, and the mother's working. And it's just it's, it's crazy-making. And I want to know, instead of um, dealing with what um, so far, you've talked about depression, you've talked about suicide, and I'd like to see art, I'd like to see a daycare center, a drop-in daycare center in the in the neighborhoods, every community, whether it's Fort Bragg or Willits or Ukiah or Laytonville, every community should have a daycare center, you know, where you can come and play checkers and chess and read stories, and, and even, even with the COVID, you know, you can have a rocking chair and have a library and play and have art supplies, and, you know, when you first started today, I was going to take issue with the very beginning when you said the purpose of education is to get a job. And I'm sitting here as a mother and saying, no, the purpose of a, ch- of a child is to be a child. The whole purpose of having children is so that they can bring the joy and happiness and the sacred souls that they are. And so it's not just for the convenience or the, or the, the service of the social workers or the, te- you know, the, the service to the, to the system, but it's to enable and allow that child to grow into the best possible you know, heart song that they can be, which they are, singing and dancing and, and playing and holding hands. And you know, even if you can't hold hands, circle dances. You know, there's ways to enjoy being a mother and being a a caregiver without having to be in jeopardy. This whole thing is crazy-making. You know, to me, this COVID thing, I mean, the people that are making millions and billions are are the, the doctors, and drugs are not the answer. I really don't believe drugs are the answer. Tea, hot chicken soup, you know, Carina. Paula, do you have a question for our special host? I'd like to talk about prevention of the of the depression and helping to enable you know animals. Can you wrap up? We need places where people can get together and talk dialogue. Our radio station is 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 a very key element to keeping our mental health in this community. And I thank you, Casey Wax, for being here. I'll, I'll get off now and let, right. let you guys absorb and maybe reflect, you know. But I'd like, I like I do poetry with the kids. They sing songs to me and I write them down and we make books. It's just a real simple thing to do, but it validates who and what they are at this stage of the game. We don't have to keep pushing and put and cramming them full of, you know, putting them in front of a TV. That's education. All right. That's, lots yeah. lots I mean, to we, chew on we there. Need to, we need to expand our vision and be multicultural. And bilingual, and and um, you know, and not be so segregated in terms of ageism, and you know, that's not education. Sitting in front of a TV and programming, that's you know, to me, that's that's uh, killing the spirit rather than stimulating and enabling them to be the bright and beautiful, unlovable and loved souls that they are. All for the love of being close, you know. They come here all for the love of being close, 
And so we have to we have to struggle against this separation and this social isolation. You know, I think that we've you know we've got to enable the the healing to be spiritual as well as physical. So I'm going to get off. Thank you very much. Thanks for the call, caller. Thank you. Um, thank you so much for the call. You brought up a lot of uh, important important points, and you know I think we all agree that that school there are so many levels that schools are important for children and the way they they protect childhood basically like um you know they they give a safe space to to play you know um to learn to be creative to build self self esteem to be part of a community so you know we all agree it's it's not to not to put kids in the in the job force but there's so many more other important uh reasons for or important uh, uh, yeah, reasons for school and, and um, it provides so much support for, for children. And another point that was made is, is childcare and, and um, daycares and, and services like that in, in communities. And, and it's been a struggle all over, all over the country, <laughs> including our county. Um, but I do want to, to point out some services that we have, that we do currently have uh, in addition to you know elementary schools opening part time, and then hopefully middle schools and high schools in the coming weeks, we do have the city of Ukiah has a lot of programs, including after school programs, um, and you know sports like from basketball to volleyball to baseball, different small group sports that they've been offering the whole pretty much the whole time, um, which is great. And then the boys and girls club is just an awesome resources, a resource that our, our community has as well. I, I've met quite a few kids in clinic that that provided so much for them to get, they, they were on a wait list and then they finally got in the Boys and Girls Club and it, it gave a space for, for them to play and interact with kids and yeah, um, make music, do puzzles. I think they have a pool table there. <laughs> There's a huge gym. Um, it's been amazing for so many families. And then I know all over the country, and the, the caller mentioned, I think um, her grandkids maybe were moving down south. You know, all over the country, country there are YMCAs as well. And they have been open, most of them, pandemic. Um, so they do provide affordable, uh, you know, childcare as well. And there are some childcare centers that ha- that are and have remained open. I know. I'm, I apologize. I live in in inland Mendocino County, so I'm less familiar with the resources on the coast. But I know in Ukiah, the Sandbox, um, which has even newborn care, um, uh, is open as well. And it's it's uh, run through Raise and Shine, which is the nonprofit wing of First Five Mendocino locally. So there are some child centers that are open, and a Boys and Girls Club, as Dr. Johnson mentioned, is another great way where kids can still connect a little bit. And, you know, one of the things I'm seeing that's impressive is kids' creativity. You know, a lot of them are finding ways to play group games or other things, you know, on, you know, over Zoom or just over the phone um, and keeping connections going that way. So, you know, again, it's kind of, the the, the internet's kind of a double-edged sword. It can be addictive and it can be something that um, can cause problems, but it also is a way to connect uh, when, when you're not otherwise able to. So it's just about, I think, finding balance with that. Yeah, and I, I honestly have been telling teenagers to, uh, you know, if you wear a mask and you're outside and you take a walk with a friend, that's 
that's pretty safe. Yeah. <laughs> and and could you know, it provides so much for that for that teenager to be, you know, face to face with their friend and be able to see them. Um so I mean I, I have been telling people that if you know it's safe if you're outside wearing a mask, take a walk with a friend. Yes. So maybe we could touch on if there's no other callers right now, um other other things we could uh do as parents, as as medical care providers, as teachers, and others uh, to help kids and teens during this this time. So we we touched on screen screen time, <laughs> and the caller touched on that as well. Uh, you know, and you you were saying it does some forms of uh, you know social media may may be helpful to stay in touch with friends for some, but for a lot it's. Uh, and I've been seeing this more and more recently too. If you're, if all your social interactions are over social media, that's um, kind of risky because it's not the real world. <laughs> um, so I don't know if you can hear my toddler screaming in the back. Can you? <laughs> you can. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Maybe uh, then I'm gonna just look and yep, see. Do what you gotta do. Yeah. Being a mom comes first, so Absolutely. I get it. So. Yeah, you know, one of the things that can help, too, is having a consistent structure and routine. So even, you know, even though you may be, um, I'll use my son for an example. As the first class where he's actually on a video with people isn't usually until after lunchtime. Um, he's got assignments before that. But, but we still have the same, you know, he sets his alarm, he gets up, takes a shower, you know, kind of sticks to that routine that he would be doing if he went to school. And it just helps kind of make it a little bit more normal. And um Going back to Dr. Johnson's point, I've talked to a couple of different teenagers recently who have, um, I don't know if, there, if it was one of these challenges that was going around, but, but they've just decided to, to, to not be on social media for a week or two, just to see what happens. And not one of them has regretted it. Not one of them has said, oh, I missed out on so much really important stuff. Like what, what they seem to have missed out on was drama. And they're still they're still texting their friends and talking to their friends and keeping in touch with their friends, but it's actual live conversations or in, you know or, or texting. It's not with everybody else watching and commenting and and everything that can go with that. So you know that would be you could try it as an experiment. Try it for a week or two and see what you notice. And if you decide that you're happier that way, then you can continue it. And Sounds not, like well, the, the good old days. <laughs> Isn't that how we grew up? <laughs> yeah. Not yeah. not having a million comments or likes on everything that you say to your friends. Right, right. Like we would eat a meal and no one knew what we ate because we didn't post a picture of it. it we didn't even know. Mystery. What did they eat? I don't know. So, um, so for parents of teens... Teens um, might not come directly to you and say, you know, I'm really struggling, Dad, and I'd like to have a conversation about my symptoms of depression. You know, typically, you'll notice it in their behavior, but they're going to be subtle in how they approach. And so if you're cooking dinner and they're just kind of hanging out or hanging around, that might be their attempt at saying, hey, I'm trying to connect here. Um, and if you want to find out what's really going on, sitting across and staring them right in the face and asking questions probably won't yield the results you're hoping for. What I would suggest is if you can, you know, put them in the car and take a drive. Um, there's something that happens with teens when they're not staring at you in the face and they're kind of side by side doing a different activity or play a game with them or some, some kind of activity. It makes it a little easier for them to open up and talk about what they need to talk about. 
for much younger kids, um, let's say seven and under, if they're having a hard time, they might not have the language constructs to, to really be able to talk about what's happening. And as parents, we often will say, well, what's the matter? And they say, I don't know. And we think this is true of teens also. We think they don't want to tell us. But quite often, it's they honestly don't know. They're unhappy. They know they're unhappy, but they have no idea why. So um, art or play or other things can be a way for them to express what they're feeling. And so there are therapists you know, in the community and at some of the agencies we mentioned early that are trained in art therapy or sand tray therapy or, or play therapy, experiential play therapy, where younger kids that might not have the verbal skills to do talk therapy could still benefit from seeing a therapist because they'll work it out through their play or through the sand tray. So let's go ahead and reintroduce you. This is a special public affairs show with pediatrician Dr. Casey Johnston and Ben Anderson, the behavioral health director at MCHC. We're really lucky to have you on and to dedicate this hour to how our kids are doing in the pandemic. Uh, and it is an open lines call in show. So if you're listening and you've got some thoughts or some questions, 707 895-2448 at 707-895-2448 it's interesting when talking about kids uh you know it's it takes a lot to call to the radio station and so we may not hear from from kids but there's certainly parents out there listening uh who are experiencing what are we on a, a whole year now um gone through a couple of grades with our kids in school and on the distance learning and, and so if you've got any kind of questions or thoughts for our our panelists our hosts slash guests special program here uh 707-895-2448 and we really would like to hear from you especially if you have questions there's no such thing as a dumb question so everything's fair game mm-hmm. yeah and, and uh kind of continue the discussion on what we can do to help kids. You know, I think a couple other things are, you know, daily exercise, I, you know, especially getting outside. And it doesn't have to be something formal, like we're going to run a mile or, you know, something like that. It could, you know, hike, taking a hike as a family once a week on the weekends. And then the other days, you know, getting to the park or, uh, you know, jumping rope or playing basketball or all sorts of different things. Um, I, I, some families, what really have helped them is the family has a little, you know, an exercise routine. They do uh, rain, rain or shine. <laughs> it's like a circuit, you know, 20 minute like circuit training, um, you know, jumping jacks, sit ups. Uh, they kind of choose four or five things, do it three times um, so they can do it rain or shine. Just that, that really helps as well. And, you know, exercise. Uh, helps us uh, make our own kind of mood boosting neurotransmitters in our brain. So, um, it, you know, it, it, if we force ourselves to exercise, it can actually, on a chemical level, like boost our our energy and our mood. Um, so that's that's really important. And also, you know, getting outside, we get vitamin D, and it helps our immune system and also our mood. Yeah. Uh, oh, sorry, did I cut you off? No, no, go ahead. Well, exercise, you know, even if it's just a slow stroll, even if it's not like a cardio workout, exercise is really great for anxiety. Because if you think about anxiety, it's basically just an uncomfortable feel, feeling in your body that's often accompanied by worries. And if you're sitting around too much, you have too much time just to think about it. 
And so it, you're kind of up in your head. And so, you know, if you're in your body, then you're not in your head. And if you think about the things that we tend to worry about, it's not what's happening right now at this moment unless you're being chased by a mountain lion or something. It's usually about the past, what I would have, could have, should have done, or the future, what might happen or might go wrong. And so there's something that happens when you're physically active and exercising that it, that it kind of forces you to be in the moment. And that has the effect of lowering levels of anxiety and stress. And then, yeah, another thing I just wrote down uh, is, you know, if you, Ways to boost kids' self-esteem, um, you know, ha even if it's helping around the house, like giving them chores and they can complete those chores, that, that gives them a, self a sense of importance and, and can boost a child's self-esteem. You know, that, I think that's a big thing that's been lost in not being physically in school is all these little moments and chances in school to, um, you know, even in PE, you know, you 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 know make a basket and basketball around your friends and it really boosts your self-esteem um or completing you know an art project for um you know in school or all those little things uh do so much for children in terms of boosting their self-esteem and, and their mood and their sense of self-importance and belonging and um and all that Another thing that's good for helping with depression is gratitude. And having gratitude doesn't mean, you know, we pretend everything's hunky-dory and rainbows and unicorns. You know, it's, it's both, right? You can, you, can, you can still be upset or disappointed or missing your family or lonely. But there's research that supports that if every day you can, like, you know, this is a good bedtime thing. Think about three things that you're grateful for. Um, that actually really helps fight depression as well. So it's kind of a challenge, right? We'll call it a challenge because that's what they'll do. So it's the, it's the three things I'm grateful for challenge. That's good. <laughs> and on the same note too, um, I read a, a, a journal article in one of my pediatric journals and it was emphasizing the importance of, of having kids like reach out and do kind of selfless acts. So, you know, writing a letter or making a card or sending a picture to grandma or, or the, you know, their cousin or, or making cookies for the neighbor or things, you know, things like that where they can, uh, you know, just selfless acts can make a, a child feel, feel good as well. Like they're helping and contributing. They have Absolutely. journal articles about stuff like that. What was that? They have journal articles about stuff like that. That's great. Oh, in pediatrics, yeah. <laughs> so it's, I mean, I can just imagine kids with their friends, you know, a little card from a friend would just make your week. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and I'm, I've been encouraging kids and teens to to connect on that level, level too, like, you know, the old-fashioned old way of letter writing. Yeah, I also work, you know, besides kids, I, I work with, with uh, seniors, and there are a lot of uh, senior citizens in our community who also are missing their grandkids and their kids, and are, they might live in a residential facility where they're not allowed to have visitors because of COVID, but they do get their mail. And so if you had, you know, if, if you are a kid or you have a kid that wants to do something nice for somebody else as a way of feeling good, um, I'm sure there are a lot of seniors in residential facilities locally that would love to get a card or a letter from a new pen pal. Yeah, and, and actually Grace Hudson Elementary School, uh, I mean, not recently, but they, they used to have the kindergarten classes actually visit the nearby residential facilities and they would have like 
tea time um, and bring in gifts. And then the the uh, the other you know the older folks would give them gifts. It was it was like the highlight of of my kids' school year to do that. That's great. I once worked at a program where they, they had a, it was a hospital and they had a child care center and an adult day health care. And so the kids would call it visiting the grandmas and grandpas. And they would come and they'd wash wheelchairs and walkers and give the grandmas manicures. And then the grandmas and grandpas would read them stories. And, and everybody, you know, seemed to really enjoy it. So we've just got a couple minutes left. If there's any last minute um, questions, there's still time, 895-2448. Otherwise, and I guess we could we could uh, say the number again for the crisis center. Oh, we got a call. Yeah, a quick okay. call. Caller, you're live on the air. Hi, I'm just. My name's Jude. I'm a local teen. I go to the Ukiah High School, and um, hi, Jude. I just wanted to say hi. I just wanted to say thank you guys for getting good ways to keep people mentally healthy out there on the air because I know a lot of people are struggling with that, and it's really good to have proper safe ways to keep yourself okay thanks thanks for calling and thanks for thanks for saying that i think it takes a lot of courage to call into one of these shows so i want to commend you on that did you have a question or did you just want to say uh say thanks i just wanted to say thank you jude how are you what is the single like most helpful thing that you've been doing to get through this well, I have a job, so I get to spend some time around other people, safely, of course, which is really helpful. Just like finding ways to have social interactions with people is really, really helpful in a safe manner. Great. Well, thank you for calling in. Of course. Thank you guys for the show. Yeah, thank you. Thanks, Thanks. honey. <laughs> Love you. Love you too. <laughs> that's my son. Oh. I'm so proud. Oh. <laughs> I think that's the first time he's ever called in. Thanks, Jude. Yeah, that's great. And and I've been seeing that uh, more and more actually. I teenagers work uh, entering the workforce while while still going to school, um, but it has helped tremendously. Uh, the the kids I know who have gone, you know, they work ten to fifteen hours a week. It, it has been helping a lot just to see other people. All right, so we've got to wrap up now. We've got Democracy Now! coming up next. Do you guys want to sign off? Sure, signing off. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you, Casey Johnson and Ben Anderson, um, talking about children children during the pandemic. And that crisis line, if you need it, 855-838-0404. If you enjoyed this podcast, you can go to kzyx.org to find more shows and content like this one. While there, you can stream us live or check out our jukebox. And if you like what you hear, consider donating by clicking the red donate button in the upper right corner. We are Mendocino County Public Broadcasting, listener-supported community radio. KZYX, Philo, 90.7 FM, KZYZ, Woolits and Ukiah, 91.5 FM, and Fort Bragg at 88.1 FM. Thanks for listening.